Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. How you all doing? I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode, and today's episode, my guest is Mikey Joysom. Now, I first saw Mikey perform uh, when he was, and still is, the front man of David Devont and his spirit wife. Uh, he has performed under the name Mr. Solo. I, I think we even touch on this at the beginning of the episode, but um, Mikey's a, a, a very, very um, interesting, unique um, and fantastic frontman. Um, if you ever see uh, them perform, and uh, and I saw them perform again. I first used to watch them in the in the mid nineties, and and then. Uh, I watched him just before Christmas, and I thought, right, I'm going to reach out to Mikey because I know he's a fascinating guy, and uh, and I want to pick his brains on uh, on some records, and that's what we done. Uh, we recorded this during lockdown, uh, so it was done remotely. Although Mikey recorded his vocals, his end, and I done the same, so it should sound like a studio recording. And uh, even though we done it face to face on the uh, the old Skype. Before I get on with the episode, I just want to say uh, a big thank you to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, and also uh, a big thanks to 76, uh, my producer, who's been producing these podcasts uh, since day one. Uh, 130-odd episodes in now we are. Um, so the best thing you can do, if you don't want to miss any more, is subscribe. Um, that really does help. So if you can subscribe to the podcast, that'd be much appreciated. And... If you've missed any, go and have a little rummage in the archives because you'll find some amazing podcasts with uh, all manner of musicians, producers, um, actors, comedians. Uh, There's loads to get your teeth stuck into. And if that's not enough, then I also have a Patreon page where I put up unique content and episodes over there each week. Um, You can find out all about that at um, com. All right, I think uh, I'm done with the uh, the intro bits. Let's get straight on with the episode. Um, please enjoy Off the Beaten Track podcast with Mikey Georgeson. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. 
and they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So, if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. Off the Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It means stew with him. Okay, we are recording. Um, please welcome today's guest. It's Mikey Jordan. Hello. Hello, Stu. Lovely to see you again. Uh, it's been uh, a while, hasn't it? It has, yes. Um, uh, do you, yeah, you haven't launched in and said, who am I speaking to, which is quite refreshing. Or you might have said... <laughs> Mikey B. Georgeson. Um, well, you've got a, a, a quite an array of of performing um, guises. You know, I did think maybe vessel and yeah, and or the vessel or the vessel. Um, yeah. Mister Solo. Yeah. Um, obviously, David Devant and his spirit wife. Um, uh, Mikey. There's Georgeson. lots. Yeah. Yeah. All that. I get, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all what I call matter flow. It's like just playing with everything, like it's part of the material vitality of life. Carfax as well. That's yes. another, yeah, <laughs> uh, named after the centre of the town where I live. Yeah, but we. I I I don't think we've seen each other for. Um... A while we have met um, a few times. Um, I actually was me and um, our mutual friend Wayne um, yeah. came to watch your recent Water Rats show. Oh, did and, Wayne come uh, to that? Yes, yes. Um, we 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 sort of uh, we was at the back. Thankfully, we're both yeah. sort of six foot three because it was um, it was a, a very busy affair, mate. It was rammed. It was really nice to go back there, wasn't it? And. Mm. Uh, yeah, re-experience how, what a glorious venue it can be. Because we used to, um, as you probably know, we played there quite a lot. And then it became a sort of pay-to-play venue, which was a bit mm. bit nasty. You know, you'd get calls to come and play. And then they sort of send you letters about how you've got to bring so many fans and blah, 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 all that. But I then, can't remember so, who the, the company was that done that. They'd done a lot of venues, and and I don't even know if they're still going, but it yeah. was 
pretty grim what they were yeah, doing. Uh, yeah, I hope it's not still going. Yeah, but mm. but it was back to being a normal venue. Yeah, it was it was great. Yeah, because I think when I first met you, I first met you many years ago. Uh, my band supported David Devanty's Spirit Wife uh, oh. at uh, the Esplanade in Southend. Oh yes, um, is that no longer there? Am I or am I no, confused? No, yeah, it did. It shut and it sort of moved further up the the seafront. Sorry, Chinneries. Esplanade, isn't it? Esplanade, Esplanade. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, Essex, <laughs> I always think Essex was a fertile ground for David Devon. Um, there's something about that county where people loved that sort of emergence of pure difference. They seemed to get it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I did. We, we, we see you. We, we used to come around and, and, and try and watch you as many times as we could back then. And it was we saw you definitely in, in both Chelmsford venues, both the Wire Club and the Army and Navy, I believe. Back ah, oh, the Army back and in Navy. the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, whenever I uh, think of like, cause, yeah, I think we played in Essex a lot. I think of the A13, and there's a funny sort of metal prefab bridge coming out of london and i now uh lecture in art near very near that bridge so it's kind of lovely sort of really living that bridge from another angle but i always think of it as like going into the dark mysterious land of essex and i I recently wrote a fugue for the a fugue in a13 um uh, there's a a mansion house in the middle of an estate in East London uh, called Eastbury Manor. And I was asked to make a piece of art for it. And I s- walked around it and I just kept hearing um, fugue-like music in my head. So I thought, it, it's near the A13. I need to find out what A13 sounds like. So I found out on Google what A13 was on the guitar and then composed a fugue in A13, um, which, uh, yeah, was really good fun. <laughs> so Wonderful. that was like, yeah, yeah, fugue in A13. Um, so, so, in fact, uh, you see, th- th- this picture here, that's part of it. Um, okay. What I did is I um, got these wallpaper pasting boards and I pasted uh, wallpaper onto them and then made them so you could display the wallpaper upright uh, using the legs of the wallpaper pasting table to keep it upright. And then I connected the music-playing device to the wallpaper. So you can sort of probably see there's like this entangled, curvy image, colours and overlaying, and that was like the fugue of the A13 yeah great yeah so um clearly uh i have a strong feel a strong connection to that wonderful uh, artery <laughs> mikey i always start this podcast with um the song with the greatest ever intro oh yeah yeah um well going intuitively um i went straight for pajama rama by roxy music nice um, do you know that one no i rec- it's just like feels even thinking about it now i get this sort of upsurge of uh vitality 
you know, da da da. It's one of those intros. Yeah. Da da da. And when you make music, as you probably know, you can't always predict whether something's going to sound enormous. But that intro does sound enormous. You know, more than the Who's ding ling 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 ding ding ding. You know, well, which, I can't remember which one that is. It's of that family. Pimple Wizard. Yeah. It's of that family, but just manages to somehow sound totally enormous. So, and I don't think Pajama Rama is on either of the first two albums. Um, you know, the Roxy music. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. Um, for your pleasure. But um, it's got that sort of Smithsy skip to it as well, the, the whole track. Yeah. Which uh, I, I love that track, yeah. And I, I, I do like songs like Strange Town by The Jam was never on an album. Uh, yeah. So those, those non-album singles, yeah, they can be it's, pretty good. And do you know what? And, and, and growing up and, and, and obviously watching um, your band a lot in the, in the kind of mid I mean, well, you've got a single that's not on, on the album, haven't you? I hope we... What, now you mean? No, oh, no, late, back, oh. way back. I'm going back now yeah, to... Because like, yeah. um, Pimlico wasn't on... That's uh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the other bands that would do it around then, it was a lot of bands done it in between the first and second album. So Blur done Pop Scene, which is yeah. one of my favourite Blur songs. Yeah. Oasis done Whatever. Yeah. And there was just these kind of bands that had just put this like floating single. The Arctic yeah. Monkeys done it recently with Leap Before the Lights Come On, which uh, is probably yeah. my favourite track by yeah. them. And um, well, of course, probably the best of all time is Strawberry Fields. That, oh that that's the floating single i found fa- i found it somewhere today because i've been going through all my singles because um, when i was about nine ten i started buying seven inch singles and right uh, we'll get to that we'll get yeah. to that because that that's <laughs> going to be track four i want to know this yeah. because i saw on instagram this morning you was you was um oh. flicking through your uh your seven inch singles and your love of the seven inch single is is exactly the same as mine. It's my passion. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, as as you may have seen on my uh, Instagram 60-second lesson, mate, um, I, I love a man <laughs> called Marshall McLuhan, who was very, very famous, but he had a little theory that we all have this thing called the first love syndrome in which the technology that carries us through our coming of age is the thing that shapes our sense of context in the world. And uh, for me, I, that makes sense of everything I do, really, you know, sort of image, melody, text, uh, and then the, in an object, uh, perfect object, uh, seven-inch yeah. single. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It, it's, it's well, I'll, we'll get on to, to that when we get to the record store uh, track for number four. But uh, in the meantime, well, no, I want to go back to intros quickly, Mikey. Yeah, um, yeah. And... Um, as an artist, I, w- I want to know um, how you approach the intro in a record yeah. then when you first um, started releasing records to yeah. the recent album. As, have you changed the way that you write in any way, shape or form? Because uh, obviously <laughs> in the 20 or so years that you've been releasing records, yeah. the way that yeah. people listen to music's changed greatly. Have you, done, have you changed anything to kind of move with that? Um, like, well, no, I think I'm always working blind like a kind of organism. Um, so uh, it's quite hard for me to see how I've changed. 
but I do feel like I have. Yeah, I kind of think I've improved. But um, recently, well, relatively recently, you know, I just sort of became much more aware of how much the Beatles worked and worked and crafted their songs so intricately. And um, I realised, oh, right, I've got to, I can up my game a bit, you know, so maybe that's come into it. But they they were the masters, weren't they, of crafting even the intro, even the outro. If you think about Hard Day's Night, that, that chord is probably the best ever intro. Uh, now I come to think of it, you know, I, you know yeah. and, and people... Uh, nerds trying to unpick what that chord is because it's a layered chord of guitar and keyboard. Oh, is it? it? You know, it's like, what is that chord, man? And yeah. then even at the end of the song, they introduce a sort of reprise of that chord in a slightly more melodic way. So they really did sort of get under the bonnet, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. I, I, if I'm honest, I kind of think intros are a bit of a blind spot for me. Um so, yeah, maybe I need to do some homework on my intros because <laughs> I just like being in the middle of things. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but someone okay, might well, be able. Maybe I've done a good intro, but I can't remember. I'm sure you've done plenty, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Track two, so, Mikey. Yeah. The first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Ah. See, I mis uh, misheard this question. I because I don't remember the first song I remember hearing. Ah, see, I'm going for the first song I remember having an emotional impact on me, and I um, and I the reason I think this is true is because I'm still slightly embarrassed about admitting how resonant it is with me, and it's a song called Waves by Blamange. Um, that's it. Stu's looking baffled. That's it. Um, yeah, that's Blamange are a synth pop duo. Bla- sure. Blamange have played the pink toothbrush many times. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, I don't think I've heard that tune. Uh, yeah. Well, you see, the thing about emotion, isn't it? Is it? It's all about the time when you hear that particular song. And, sure. uh, well, that song is, you know, what are these waves that coming over me? This must be my destiny. I mean, it's quite cheesy, but, you know, see, the cynic in me is calling it cheesy. But it, I, if I listened to that on the tube going into work or something, I would be sort of having to wipe the tears away because it sort of gets right into me. And what, What's a, the emotion? Uh, longing and uh, I, you know I, I have this sort of feeling at the moment that a lot of music has a sense of longing because it reconnects us with this thing that uh, conceptual reality has cut us off from and that's a kind of felt understanding of being in the world and so we kind of grieve our cut-offness from that and it's a feeling you can't put your finger on so that song, it, it has that sort of sublime, swelling up feeling. And I love the, you know, it's waves. What are these waves that are coming over me? And that does sort of encapsulate the idea of felt intensities, which you can't put your finger on. 
I mean, I, I've experienced that sort of felt intensity as a boy um, when I was with my cousins in the cop. You know, my family are from Liverpool. I, I was in the cop standing and I was literally in the wave and I lost my cousin but um, and sort of went down into the swell of the cop. So that, it, that that passion that I have there is a similar sort of wave of intensity. It's not about a symbolic interpretation or a reading of life. It's just a felt intensity. Uh, so yeah, I think. But I, I do. There's, there's lots of parallels to be drawn. I think between being at a football match and being at a gig. Um, my, you know, my, my my days of being a football fan are long are long gone. But um, yeah, yeah. but I, you know, I've been to several big matches and yeah. and sporting events where the crowd have literally been devoted to to yeah. to a team or or or, 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 a, or an athlete and and it's just as just as powerful as you know seeing yeah. your favorite band play you know your your favorite song by them uh, uh, you know yeah i mean all the these, or wherever yeah all these things um you can turn them into a sort of data symbolic version of what they are. And that's when it becomes nasty and uh, sort of, oh, you know, that you get that bigoted attitude because it's a symbol of what you think you are rather than what you feel you are. And uh, I suppose another, you know, song <laughs> that would have an emotional impact on me, when I was a little boy, we had a record of the cop choir that because uh, when in those days no one had many records so like we'd have hard days night or oh let's listen to the cop choir and it was a recording of the cop during a football match uh so you know that obviously uh, got under my skin and yeah. has an emotional resonance yeah so was there not loads of music on at home growing up then oh yeah there was loads uh but not a broad selection <laughs> the beatles yeah. or the cop we had an early Bee Gees <laughs> album um when there was about eight of them in the band and mm -hmm. uh i used to like that a lot yeah and there what was, was that, that kind of massachusetts time yeah, it, like, had, the kind it of... had a song i started a joke yeah that's yeah i think that's quite me but i don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like the side the whole world crying <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, uh, yeah. But, oh, so, yeah, the other musical thing. My dad used to sing songs to me to to, uh, to send me to sleep. Um, so he'd play the guitar and and uh, often they were quite grisly folk songs, you know. So uh, you, your dad was a musician as well? Well, yeah, he, play, he, he was in bands. Yeah, he actually played drums in one band, I think. And I saw my dad once at the Fairfield Hall in Croydon uh, playing his acoustic guitar on a big stage. I remember, I can still picture it now, and feeling nervous on his behalf. But, yeah, yeah. So it's always like instruments and stuff laying around the house? Yeah, yeah, guitars. I mean, and my dad used to say, at one point I remember... He sent me to my room and said, you know, uh, go and record all those songs you've been uh, playing around with. Put them down on tape. So it forced me to kind of finish things. And so that was quite good parental parenting. Yeah. yeah. Go to your room and record your songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Um, so where, where was that? Where was you born? 
Uh, I well, I grew up in uh, Horsham, West Sussex. I went to school in Crawley. Uh, we could come on to that later. Uh, yeah, but I was born in Bexhill on Sea, which um, it, it is kind of like a paradise in my uh, longing memory. You know, Bexhill, sunny. Yeah. To, but you know, to many people, it, it's not that at all. But in in yeah. me, it, it it is. It's total euphoritopia, uh, yeah. l- largely because I had two sisters who were older than me, and I have a massive memory of them having dressing up parties in the garden with the apple trees and all these beautiful girls dressing up, and me the little brother. So, you know, what's not to like? <laughs> Well, you touched on school uh, a moment ago, so let's yeah. for, for track three, Mikey. Um, I asked guests for someone that reminds them of their time at school. It, yeah. Um, now I did think I could go with something cool because I, you know, I've brought, I've got some cool records that I brought during my time at school. But the record that I think um, produces that sense of what it's like to be at school and and the felt intensities and think and discovering girls and passion and friendships and longing that the song is the theme tune to greece um oh, frankie valley one of the greatest intros ever oh yeah that's a crafted song yeah and it's quite unlike the rest of the soundtrack because i was yeah. going to go with uh, summer nights but um you know because that's almost that that's got a sense of that like being because we all had to, like, get a date and go with a girl to the cinema. You know, it was like a thing you had to do. And uh, and I went with a girl called Cheryl. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I could, you know. But the song itself doesn't quite evoke that. But the theme to Greece absolutely nails that. And um, I was That's listening. It's an incredible the, record. Yeah, yeah. The lyrics, we take conventionality and we throw, no, we throw away conventionality belongs to yesterday, which is not like summer loving, is it? You know, it's totally, yeah, yeah. And and also it's got a really killer uh, drum break in uh, Greece is the word I think I've used because it breaks down to that chunky beat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, Frank, that Frankie Valley fella, he knew how to write a song, didn't he? Yeah, My absolutely. God. Yeah, so that one, yeah. Perfect. So was you a, was you a creative kid at school? Well, um, I think creativity is a funny thing because, um, you know, you, it's when you're totally within uh, school, for instance, which is quite a conceptual place, it's quite hard to sort of notice that you're creative. Uh, my dad was actually my art teacher. We all used oh. to... Uh, uh, my friends ended up calling him Dad at school because... <laughs> so he became known as Dad. And uh, so, yeah, there was a creative environment, but in a sort of academic context. Um, I did, you know, obviously I, I made music at school and uh, we had bands and dear, dear friends that I made music with. Um uh, it wasn't till later, and maybe we'll find a way of finding a way into that, that I kind of experienced that sort of oceanic feeling of creativity 
as something outside of structures such yeah. as school. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, for a lot of people, creativity in school is a kind of escape. And, um, and I, I didn't have that opportunity to escape into it because I was in it. You know, my dad was my art teacher. <laughs> how, so, how was that, having your dad as a teacher at school? Uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of, well, it was my normal, wasn't it? It was my, yeah, of course. New, yeah. My, my new normal. But I remember as a kid visiting the art room and it did f- feel like a realm of wonder um, because you'd sort of meet, meet the six formers who were out on the roof smoking and things, you know. But by the time I got there, it was kind of le- more normal, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But, was, you, um, was you a confident kid? Um, well, you know, I grew up with hearing loss. So, um, yeah, you know, since all my life I've had hearing loss. And I think that's sort of... Um, a cr- shaped the way i interact with people so i'm not totally outgoing but nor am i unconfident um just sort of there floating floating in the ether yeah and um are you you a driven person i i'm i think i am but i don't think that's top of my priorities you know it's like being true to the creative spirit is uh true so, like, yeah, m- making sure you finish something is being true to that and yeah. and creating it and putting it across, sharing it. Um, and, yeah, le- learning that those times in life where, you yeah, know, choose your battles, isn't it? That's, what yeah. I think, what I'm getting at is, is um, when it's more important to let the creative energy emerge or... For a lot of people, it could be about, oh, this was my idea. I must get my idea across. And that's what driven means to them. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, it doesn't mean that for me. So, yeah. Yeah. You said you, you, you floated in between, you know, when I said, when I asked yeah. if you was confident and stuff. But, yeah. I mean, when I first saw you perform on stage and when I saw you perform on stage 20 years later, yeah. Just before Christmas. Yeah. You seemed like a very confident young man on stage. Yeah. Well, I think... Did you, did uh, you, did, uh, did you uh, like attention? I think um, maybe, yeah, there, there's that sense of like, I like the attention that my sister's friends gave me when I was a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but um, in terms of confidence, it's kind of like, I think I just have something in my wiring which is like, I don't care. Uh, you know, I want to share this. So that could be a form of confidence. But I think I always think confidence is somewhat is a constructed thing. It's like I'm going like Boris, you know, he's confident. He's putting himself across. Whereas I'm just like, well, I, you know, we're all here. Um, this is what I'm like. And this is how it will come out if I do it like this. And yeah. uh, it's it's like sharing a joyful vitality, I suppose. And something in me prevents me from being embarrassed about that but there are times in my life where I do you know we all feel embarrassment or shame and uh, Mm. I I was reading recently about um, there's this lovely writer I know uh, called Simon O'Sullivan and he was saying like a belief in sensation frees us from the shame of feeling of being human so 
you know, it's like embracing sensation. You know, being on stage is feeling and sensing and, yeah. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Uh, I mean, for someone that, that you know... Uh, uh, like I'm talking about myself. I attempted a career in, in in music. Yeah. Um. Are, are you are you lost in the enjoyment of it when you do it? Because I I never was. I I, I wanted to be, but I yeah. was always the kind of guy that would organise the stuff, and oh. and I was always kind of trying to worry: is that going to sound all right? Is the levels right on this? And and if I look back in hindsight now, I just think, oh, you idiot! She's just gone with it. She just had the most fun you could have had. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, I recognise that completely and I think it's sort of trying to get into a space where you are as unencumbered as possible um, and and there are obviously moments on stage where that is broken but, you know, through experience and I enjoy that 
having that under my belt, it's like, yeah, I know not to react to that. And uh, there was one, the only gig where I got angry was, uh, uh, what's the town on the border of England and Scotland? Is it Carlisle? Is that on the border? Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. um, like, Devon, I don't, you know, like, we go everywhere and we'd feel this kind love. It's like, just happened. But in Carlisle, uh, one night, you know, we'd grate <laughs> the ginger carrot and someone threw it back and it hit me on the head, the carrot. And uh, <laughs> it, it was like our first night after a long drive and uh, I felt pretty riled then. I think i almost didn't come back for an encore that was <laughs> yeah oh but amazing I mean, was that thing, your one I, and only mariah carey moment yeah yeah i mean the thing is with devon um uh carl jung talks about like when people meet there's this sort of alchemy and uh we were just flaming lucky something happened with all of us together and it created this sort of bubble of magic where we kind of felt untouchable not in a sort of gang sense but in like we carried our magic round with us and it gave us this creative confidence and so yeah doing those sorts of gigs i mean i was at a lot a lot of those and and the first time i saw you with uh for for those that have never seen david devon spirit wife at the, the time you had uh Cockney Young and... and um, Iceman. Iceman, who yeah. would... Um, I like that. Uh, Cockney Young. It, it's actually Cocky Young. Cocky Young, and was it? Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry, yeah. yes, but it I, is. I, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying Cockney Young. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. um, and there would be a... You know, when you play Ginger, there, there, there would be a, a carrot grated on the head in, in, a, in yeah. like quite... If I remember rightly, quite a ferocious manner. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it, it was lots of drama. And, and, and I just remember them early gigs. And at that time, the Lantern was doing the projections and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was like, there was no one else doing what you were doing. Absolutely, That's, yeah. And, it was, and it, was, it was so visual. And the fact that it wasn't just the visuals, it was backed with yeah. killer tunes. It was, it was, it was yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. And it was one of them bands. Your band was like, I'm... I'm you know, try not to sort of blow smoke up your ass here, Mikey, but your band yeah. was one of them bands that I would say to my friends, come and watch this band, trust yeah. me. And then yeah. it never, ever ended with them going, yeah, all right. They would walk out <laughs> going, that was incredible, wasn't it? And, yeah. and, it, and it was. It just it, that, That's why, you know, our, our butch used to come and play the toothbrush. It was like, yeah. right, yeah. people need to see this band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Iceman and Cocky Youngen were phenomenal. I think, um, you know, so people would get Iceman and me confused in reviews and and say, and, and the vessel grates a carrot, and, uh, you know, because, like, that was Iceman. I, Iceman was much more of a craftsperson theatrically than, than I ever was, and he mm. was sort of quite good at drama at school, but very overtly dramatic, which isn't right for a career in acting but perfect as he will admit for david devon and his spirit wife absolutely yeah. you know uh, uh yeah 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 i mean that that's the thing with devon is i'd kind of thought oh i'm going to be an artist illustrator 
Um, I'm good at songs, but, you know, I, I kind of went down this road of, like, conventional indie and meeting people at... I was at Chelsea School of Art. Lovely people. We made good songs. But then in Devon, we were told we had to be a theatrical band if we wanted our gig at the Brighton Festival. And that just, like, put me in a totally different realm. I could write about anything and write in any way that I liked and sort of draw on everything that I felt passionate about musically rather than, oh, I'm going to be the next... Uh, yeah. You know. So, and that's what, that's what happened. You know, like, some of our songs would have felt ridiculous to a younger version of me, like Madame Devant, Are You There? But the chords in that, I, I still love, you know. It's like yeah. the passion. <laughs> so, yeah. Well... I'm looking. Uh, obviously, we're doing this over over Zoom, so I can see uh, in in your room there's an array of uh, of records and seven inch singles oh, even yeah, yeah. Um, behind you. Um, track four, Mikey. The first song you bought from a record shop. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got that here. I, I could show it you. <laughs> yeah. Can you see that? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I can. One of Essex's yeah. finest. What a waste. Um, and, um, yeah, I remember there's, there's a shop. I'm struggling to remember the name of the shop, but it was a proper little record shop. And that was the first time that I got my own money and I went and bought a single. And I think I must have heard it on the radio. For, uh, for listeners that, that, um, that we haven't oh, said what yes. it is, it's, um, it is what a waste, but it's <laughs> what, by injury in the blockage. What, what a waste. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. And um, I try not to listen to it too much because it has a sort of magic atmosphere, which um, if you listen to it just like a song, it's not the same. But the sort of the frequencies coming out of the grooves of the record are otherworldly. Uh, you know, something it's more than the sum of its parts, I suppose, is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just because I mean, a lot of my friends love the blockheads and and I, I like the blockheads. But that particular single has a special atmosphere. Mm. And that, I suppose, could be partly to do with the fact that it's the first record I bought. But I don't think it is. Um, I took it into school. We used to... Um, have a te- a music teacher called Mr. Willie. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was a very conventional man, but as part of his lessons, he would let us bring in a record and play it in the music lesson. So I took in What a Waste. Uh, I, you know, I must have been 10, I think, um, if that. And we put it on. And then a boy called, I think it might have been Peter Falepa, uh, the that it might have been this other chap. I can't remember his name. Anyway, he started talking. So it's like, get the intro. Do, 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 Like, I'm in the magic space. <laughs> Peter Flepper talks. Mr. Woolly, Willy takes it off and goes, well, that was a waste, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, he, he took it off and used the teacher tone to um, discount it. Luckily, it didn't scar me, but uh, it might have sent me on a mission to try and transmit that frequency of wonder through my own music. <laughs> if, what if, record? What, 
Go on, sorry, Mikey. No, 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 no. no. I'm just yeah. If uh, if that's what the the structures of the powers that be do to music, I you know yeah. that might be partly what's motivating me. Well, record shops a special place for you. Um, I wouldn't say I was ever one of those. Um, what do they call them? Uh, box crate diggers. Crate diggers. Crate diggers. Yeah, no. Um, for me, um, it was always upstairs at Boots, the chemist. They had the top 40 singles. And uh, I would go in there. I used to think it was weekly, but uh, maybe it was like every one or two, two or three weeks. I'd go and I'd get a single from Boots when I'd saved up. Um, so that takes me back to the seven inch single, you know, that, so like between the age of 10 and 14, I suppose was when I was most intensely into seven inch singles. But, um, uh, after well, that, yeah. I never ask guests this, but, um, seeing as I'm talking to an artist as well as a musician, um, what was your favorite sleeve of your, your, your seven inch singles uh, yeah that's um that's a tough question i think um i'm not sure it's here actually but uh the original cover of rock lobster which is yeah. the it's the same cover as the first album um is it yellow it's just yellow and uh it's got them on it looking amazing yeah i mean it's got a lot of the things that uh, I've intuitively uh, adopted myself, you know, wigs, clothing, moustaches, bright, saturated colour. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of them bands that, that it, I, I, I guess at the age that I am, um, they're forever going to be the band that done Love Shack. Uh, yeah. Which... which it's a great record. It just got played to death. Yeah. But yeah. Um, the, the the single that followed that Rome, I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but you go back to that early stuff and, oh. and, and, and rock lobster being a prime example, that's a fucking insane record. And a- it builds absolute. and builds and builds yeah. and yeah. loses its absolute fucking mind at the end. And it's yeah. so intense and brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, it's an, an example. I mean, you were describing Devont as a band. No one else was doing that. No one told us to do that. Um, yeah. And it's like the B-52s. You look at those early performances. It's like no one told them to make songs like that. They just made it up. Yeah. Uh, but with a real eclectic passion. With, uh, yeah, it's a really <laughs> insane mix of sort of soulful intensity, funny cut up cut and paste humor yeah. uh but done with total conviction um mm. i love it and it's much more rehearsed than i ever realized i think as a young person now if i look back at their videos it's like wow <laughs> you've really worked on that and yeah yeah there's there's a great documentary um called athens ga uh, yeah. that, I, that I had on VHS somewhere in it, and it's a lot about the, the I think it's called the 40 Watt Club. Okay. Uh, and and it was the kind of, the that was where the B-52s played, like were from and played their early shows. Okay. And yeah. it's documenting the kind of rise of the B-52s, which at the same time was 
just around the time that REM were forming in the same and playing yeah. in the same venue and there's just yeah. loads of bands that all come out at that time that played that venue so it was a really good documentary but oh. I've, I've never seen it on TV and I've never sort of seen it on DVD but yeah it was a, an old VHS I had knocking about and it was fascinating yeah. they were an incredible band of B-52s absolutely yeah and um, I'm kind of with you I after Whammy I think uh, or Bouncing Off the Satellites I sort of I think I grew older and less sort of uh, less fanny, you know, less loyal, <laughs> less loyal. So, like Love Shack, I it, it didn't enter my radar. That it was yeah. like it was in another universe completely. Yeah, it was a different uh, sounding band by then. I think. Yeah, yeah. Track five, Mikey, the yeah. song that soundtracked your time clubbing. Yeah, um, this is a f- funny one. The one um, I've chosen is turn off the lights and um i can't i can't remember the name of the artist i'm gonna have to um click on my uh facebook account because i uh i was thinking about this we used to go clubbing when i went to art school um i was in a halls of residence in battersea and I made friends with a chap called Mike England. And um, I made friends with him. Great because, name. Yeah, great name. And I saw him at uh, art college, well, in the halls of residence. And he dressed like a complete mod, you know, it's like, but he had a sort of quiff as well. So he's very individual, quirky chap. And I was very drawn to him because of his style and uh yeah this song is by larry young it's called okay. turn, turn off the lights it's a rare groove track um right so oh uh i seem to have uh, i'm back online now yeah so he would take me off to basement clubs in uh the center of london and we get the night bus and they'd be quite sparsely populated but Mike uh, was from the north of England. And I, this is like post-rationalising. I was able to look back and go, wow, that hit you. You were doing sort of northern soul. Mm. He was introducing me to northern soul dancing. So we'd go to these basement clubs in Soho. Uh, I can't remember what they were called. You know, there'd be like 10 people there. He, and he taught me my best dance moves uh, oh, okay. in these basement clubs. And, uh, yeah, I think I was a little bit in awe of him. And, yeah, he was like a very... He was quite small, like me, you know, compact person. And uh, he'd do these moves, which I sort of subsequently realised were rare groove dance moves. Right. Uh, rare, no, were Northern Soul dance moves. Right. And uh, there's a great film um, made by Mark Leckie, which... Uh, it's called Fiorucci Made Me Hardcore. It's like an art film and it's got like slowed down Northern Soul clubs. And a lot of, you know, with Northern Soul, a lot of their dancing is just sort of, it's just being there dancing. And then every now and then you go and do your move. Yeah. And the one that he taught me is like you sort of go down into a crouch and as you're doing so, you put one leg up and you clap under it. And yep. then you spin and come up round. And uh, and because I was young enough at the time, I sort of learned that. And it stayed with me in yeah. the uh, cerebellum. Yeah, it's like... 
I, I went to a, um, a Northern Soul night about two years ago, and uh, and they had um, I think his name was Dave Everson, who was one of the original Wigan yeah. DJs ah. uh, DJing, and uh, and it was interesting as, as as someone that's been a, a you know a club DJ for thirty years, hearing that no music was mixed, it was just still chat in between the songs, which was oh, glorious. Wow, amazing, um, yeah, and. That- uh, but I didn't have the, I just didn't have the stones to have a dance. I was just, it, there was too uh, many people that clearly knew what they were doing, and yeah. it was like it was, it was almost intimidating. Well, what is funny is how I think Mike England, if you're out there, Mike, hello and sending love. He, I got into this space where I felt confident to dance. Um, I didn't question it, whereas yeah. I, you know, I can go to a wedding. And uh, I I won't feel that intensity yeah. that I want to dance and yeah. show my northern soul moves. But I, I think there's a bit of me conflating stuff. So I don't know if they ever played this uh, turn turn off the lights at one of those clubs. Mm. But uh, the Rare Groove sound is definitely from that mid-80s uh, era. So maybe they did. You know, it's got a killer bass line. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So the groove and the bass line is something Devon managed in our song. Everything fits into place. Uh, so yeah, but and I've revisited it recently in soundtracks to some of my installations. I thought, oh yeah, just like the bass and the you know, groove. Yeah, let's do a bit of that. So, what did you what did you want from clubbing, Mikey? I, I'm I you know I that. Think what I'm sort of conveying is that I don't. People ask, "What is desire? What do you want?" I said, "I think I was just like, do what comes, and uh, experience it." Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there was that sense uh, of a person of about nineteen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, where I was, yeah, I was a bit wide-eyed and and still discovering the world. And yeah. find it. Find, so what I wanted was maybe yeah, find your bearings, <laughs> yeah, or finding wonder. And and those basement clubs certainly had that, yeah. But um, it wasn't a particularly large scene. <laughs> it was just yeah. getting the night bus and go and do some dancing, and and then get the night bus home. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Track six, Mikey. A favourite song from an artist from your home county. Yeah, now I, I, this one stumped me for a bit because I'm from Sussex, and I was like, "Oh, what Genesis?" Or I, and then it became obvious. But then I must admit, I don't like to do this. I I, I googled uh, musicians from Sussex. <laughs> I, I guarantee most people that have been on here done that as well. Um, so uh, apparently, uh, oh gosh, I've forgotten his first name. Uh, James, the guitarist from The Damned, um, lived in Worthing. Uh, what's his first name, Stu? Uh, fill, in, fill in for me here. <laughs> uh, I, I want to say David, but that's the goalkeeper from Liverpool. Divinian, sensible, scabies. He, and... he, he's the guitarist. Um, yeah, uh... I who kind many for many for many people he he was the damned for a while you know mm. um 
I noticed when you was talking earlier on one of your videos, uh, you said yeah. one of the most important records. Um, yeah. Oh, you're probably about to say that now, aren't you, actually? I don't uh, know why I'm about to it's jump Brian, in It's Brian James. Right. And um, he, you know, because I've used Google, he, uh, he was born in Hammersmith, but he lived in uh, Worthing as a young person. And he played at this uh, festival called Fun City, P-H-U-N City, uh, in 1970 in Worthing. And it had uh, MC5 playing. Wow. Uh, And he played at that festival. So um, it's kind of like he got that out there and up for it spirit of that music. Maybe before anyone else, you know, because to a lot of people, I think the damned encapsulate a certain absurd eccentricity and energy that punk has in a way that, you know, the clash obviously don't and the pistols did in a more arch way, but the damned sort of embodied it much more intuitively. Going back to track one and the song with the greatest intro, the most common uh, choice for that is new Rose. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have chosen that. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad I didn't. Uh, Love Love Song's got a good intro as well, hasn't it? What a record. Yeah. I mean, actually, I mean, the song I've chosen, uh, what's what's the category? Uh, A song from your home county. Yeah, yeah. So I I was going to, because I love this record, Smash It Up by The Damned. And um, so it's quite a good chance to shoehorn it in because uh, Brian James lived in Worthing. Yeah. And uh, and was clearly influenced by this festival, Fun City, in Worthing. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, did punk in Britain happen because of that? Uh, Worthing, yeah, the birthplace of punk. But um, Smash It Up, for me, has um, a similar sort of magic atmosphere to What a Waste. And I mm. didn't actually buy it myself. I was given it on my birthday by um, one of my sister's grown-up boyfriends. And um, at, that, at that time, I remember I just sort of found out about B-sides. And uh, this came out in 79. So I would have been... Um, so 79, uh, that's my 11th birthday. So he gave me that for my 11th birthday. And I said, oh, was it for the A-side? And uh, he said, yeah, of course it is, yeah. But the, the B-side is Burglar, which is much more comedic and vaudevillian. Yeah. It's funny, but it doesn't have a sort of magical atmosphere. But smash it up, uh, it's you, it's you for utopian. You know, I just yeah. feel that upsurge of optimism and destruction and creation all at once. Yeah. Um, in a way... Um, that it's also got this uh the, the mix of it as a single i don't hear it quite the same on the album so there's something about the frequencies in that mix and i once uh, mentioned that to rat scabies because he was managing a band that supported me when i was mr solo and he was a bit nonplussed by my suggestion that there was any sort of difference yeah. but uh I, I I do maintain that I think, uh, you know, simple things in a mix can create a different magic atmosphere. 
<laughs> that that is uh, it's quite frustrating for musicians, I suppose, because you can't always control that. Yeah, it's yeah. not just about how good's the song, man. You know, yeah. it's this magic you create through frequencies. It's, it's so weird. I, I just the the dam just passed me by as a kid, and yeah. I think I'm 47, so I think like hearing my, my first. I think I would... I'll tell you when I first heard of The Damned, when they were on The Young Ones. And I remember uh, seeing them on The Young Ones. Yeah. But they were they were already in their sort of goth phase by then. Oh, you know, Louise. The, it, uh, and and I, that, was I, the first, that was the yeah. first um, Damned record I owned, because I bought their cover of Eloise. Yeah. Um, and, but obviously by then I just thought Captain Sensible was just this really funny guy that was on kids' TV that was yeah. just writing these really funny songs. Happy Talk, yeah. I mean, all but I will great. say that Glad, Glad It's All Over still holds up. That's a great record. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, splendid stuff. Um, <laughs> I was about to... Like, I had the same singing tutor as Dave Vanian. And, uh, you know, because when you get on a major record label, they go, well, go off to the singing tutor, young man. And it fucks you up for about 10 years. And then you rediscover, <laughs> you rediscover your own voice again. Uh, but uh, my singing tutor, uh, Glyn Jones, lovely Welshman, uh, he, and he's very effective because he's taught me how to protect my voice, I think. But you can hear him in uh, Dervanian has got the Glyn style. Yeah. Uh, where you keep your apple down, Bach, keep your apple down. You protect, yeah. So, uh, but I have a lot of respect for the damned. And yeah, there, I guess there are similarities that are purely sort of happenstance like Dave Vanian's makeup and what I ended up doing. I never thought, you know what? I'm going to copy Dave Vanian's uh, yeah. dark eyes and but I suppose there's only so many things a bloke can do with makeup unless you're David Bowie, I suppose. <laughs> but uh I think yeah. you've done well. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm being uh that's a naughty diffidence. Yeah. Diffidence isn't a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I've so, never heard that word, Mikey. Explain diffidence to me. Um, it's kind of like a sort of... Is it a feigned lack of commitment? You know, oh, I don't right. mind. You know, I think that... Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of careful not to be diffident. I, re- I think it's probably because I had a school report that mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, last track, Mikey. Um, a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Oh yeah, um, you can play DJ one. now, mate. Yeah, I'm. So, I tell you what, I was going to tell you about the only time I've DJed at a club. It was the okay. only time I can remember DJing at a club because I have a friend who's a very good DJ. Uh, he was in the Low Fidelity All Stars, and he's great, Matt Harvey, or I think he's. D- DJ Stone, he's a great DJ. He DJed alongside me, and I was DJing at this club, local club called Champagnes, and uh, I was playing the record, and he was talking to me. I couldn't hear him. Uh, I was going, what, what, what are you saying? And so I lifted the needle up so I could hear him. (laughs) (laughs) How did that work out for you? (laughs) It was fine, but that sort of sums me up. I think, uh, well, you know, me looking at that going, oh, you're like that, are you? You're so, so you're in another place. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, being DJ, there's a band from Sweden that I met. Um, sorry, yeah, I'm going around the houses here. I met them. Uh, we used to have a little basement studio in Great Russell Street, and there was uh, Mikey and Nick a- a- Abrams uh, used to make videos for us, and they made a video for this band called Comeda, K-O-M-E-D-A, who are sort of like a more poppy stereo lab and uh, I met them and they were all lovely and they gave me their album and then it's like one of those things like 10 years later I I played it and fell in love with it and was like wow this is amazing and um, it's a female vocalist Uh, the the song I I don't think it's called There's a Place so um, I'm going to have to Google it what the actual name of the song is. Okay. Um, we, we do do a Spotify playlist to accompany every podcast. Yeah. So, uh, and um, yeah. this is a song, you know, in terms of later life, I heard it. And uh, it had the same sort of effect as what a waste or uh, wow. smash it up. But different, you know, Kameda. And... Um, there's a place and uh i kind of fell in love with the singing it's female vocalist and uh and and i find that intriguing that i can fall in love with this voice i mean i met the girl but i didn't fall in love with her at the time Uh, it's only subsequently i've been listening to it and it's kind of like nico um, oh, nice. Yeah, it's got that Nico, and they are a good example of a band that construct their songs very, very well and still manage to remain sounding pop, yeah? Yeah. So, Comeda, more is more. Right, okay. Yeah, and it's... I think they're a great band and they're like undiscovered. They should have been massive, that album. You know, the whole album's brilliant. Uh, but it, it's slightly jazz inflected pop, but with a bit of pavement and bit of everything in there. Yeah. Nice. And yeah. Okay. So what's going on in the, in the world of Mikey at the moment then, aside from well, let, lockdown, how have you found that? Well, I, to be honest, you, it's I've seen kind you out in your garden making videos. Yeah, well, it's kind of like I am all the time. Is uh, like make stuff, and that's how I want to be, and uh, and that seems to it's great because it's kind of like swept the land. This let's make mm. stuff vibe. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, I I I like to do that anyway, and it's kind of nice that there's a, a more open context for just making stuff and celebrating like making and connecting and yeah it was brilliant i've done a couple of mr solo things because david devon and his spirit wife have been doing uh live zoom songs and and then someone said oh is mr solo gonna come back and when they asked me that i was like oh no uh, he's cryogenically frozen. I can't bring back Mr. Solo. <laughs> but but then I did, and I remembered the love of uh, that he kind of brings up. 
um, you know, it's like a singular plurali- plurality, you know, Mr. Solo. He's, but he, he he's the opposite, really. It's just like connecting and, and all these lovely people sent in their collaborations that I've put into the Mr. Solo montage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. There's a particularly great uh, lack- lackadaisical signing from a lady called Dee. And I, I was just like, wow. Yeah, she signed. Uh, it was kind of made up signing for the song Homesick Home. Um, yeah. and w- Which I thought was uh, interesting, you know, having been someone who's lived with, what you know, deafness is hearing loss all their life. And I've always like shied away from signing because that's like admitting I'm really deaf. And in later life, it's I've got a different kind of hearing loss, which is like added to that. Um, so yeah, I'm having to confront it more bravely, I think. <laughs> and this was like a gentle way of doing that. So yeah, being creative, making stuff. And Devont, uh, we've recorded a new song, uh, Taking My Time, which is from our early shows. We used to do, do this song, Taking My Time. And our manager, Big Steve Fishman, always used, because he was from L.A. And he would say, yeah, that's the song that's going to break America. And that didn't even get recorded, uh, you know, when we got a deal yeah. on any of our labels. So we went back to it recently and um, we've recorded what I think is quite a majestic version of it. And I think it's got that frequency magic going on. Um, Where can people hear that? Is that available to be listened to anywhere? It is. And you can, uh, you can buy it from our website. Our website is called Cut Out and Keep Me, which is in the name of our uh, current album, Cut Out mm-hmm. and Keep Me. So you go there and you can hear uh, Taking My Time. Uh, which is quite um, apt, I suppose, for lockdown. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. And I used to find, you know, because I grew up loving songs and songwriting and, like, being immersed in that world. And that song is literally two and a half chords. Um, so there might have been a bit of me that was like, no, this can't be a big song, you know, because it's just two and a half chords. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's enormous it's got like a magic atmosphere and we've made um a video for that which um is on the david devon and his spirit wife youtube page um so if you you, if you search for that you yeah and that's like a a lockdown special yeah well what i'll do when um when i put this out um i'll add links to to all of those places and uh and i'll, and I'll tag you in it on the the social medias if that's all right with you absolutely yes of course lovely yeah yeah, yeah. mikey it's been lovely chatting to you oh it's been a total pleasure um <laughs> yeah 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 i was i was slightly worried about because picking favorites is quite a different a difficult thing for me because I I don't uh, you know I'm not a crate digger I don't make lists of things so like making myself make those decisions is, is fun but yeah yeah uh, we're all aware they could change on any given day though right absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> although um, smash it up will always be in my top ten and uh, yeah 
there are certain things which don't change. Perfect. Yeah. Mikey, thank you so much. Thank you, Stu. I shall let you uh, get on and do send me uh, the links and I'll, and I'll uh, promote it on the David Devon uh, Facebook stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, yeah. mate. All right. There you go. Thank you very much, Mikey. Um, thanks for listening, people. Um, it was really nice to to have a catch up with him. When we finished recording, we carried on having a natter, and uh, and we were arranging another little Zoom catch up with um, a mutual friend soon, which is smashing. Um, it's the best thing about doing these podcasts. You get to connect with these people that you know that you've met before, and sometimes you connect with people that you've never met before. And and when you talk to someone about their life and and you know their passion for music, at the end of that hour, there's 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 a nice bond there so um it's one of the best things about doing this and uh and i couldn't do it if uh, if it wasn't for you lovely lot um streaming downloading subscribing and supporting so thanks massively to you lot um i'm back next week if you can't wait till next week have a rummage in the archives other than that sign up and support the podcast via patreon and uh and get stuck in because there's there's about 100 episodes over there as well so um yeah any support is much appreciated. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast. And it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes, so if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network keep me stew with him when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.